Beginning the season with an explosion of bubbles and football, welcome to Hand of Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 307, yeah? That sounds right. Could be. It's um, Of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly, and I just covered myself in tonic water in Dan's kitchen. I've indeed covered half of Dan's kitchen in tonic water, um, because I'm a bit clumsy. Uh, <laughs> so, hence the intro. Um, I'm joined this week in his own living room by English Dan. Hello and welcome. I'm glad to uh, say this week you might just hear in the background some off-key saxophone playing by my upstairs neighbour who's chosen this time to, to have his daily rehearsal, which Excellent. is great. Yeah, good. Ooh. That's nice to know. Yeah. And also by Andres Bruckner. Hello, Sam. Welcome again, Andres. That's good it wasn't champagne or something. Yeah, it, it's a shame. It, it, it looked a little bit like a Formula One podium um, for a few seconds. Uh, yeah, uh, passing resemblance. Quite embarrassing. Uh, I was running down the road with these bags of fizzy stuff in um, in my arms, and while I was running towards Dan's, I made a mental note to open the Coke bottle nice and slowly when I got here, um, which I then did, and that went off perfectly well, and then I opened the tonic water and it just went everywhere. Um, yeah, anyway, <laughs> not to be avoided. Well, it was to be avoided, that's the embarrassing part, and now I've told you all about it, so I'm even more embarrassed. Uh, just embarrassing myself, really, so I'm going to shut go. up. Well, I'm not going to shut up, because that wouldn't work very well on the podcast. Let's just start talking about something else, shall we? Yes, please. Let's change the subject. How about football? Eh, why not? Yeah? Well, if you want to talk about football, okay. There is some to talk about for the first time in a while. Uh, welcome on your first appearance of the season, by the way, Dan. Indeed, yes. It's um, the first appearance of everyone's in the season. Well, I, I, I like to think that, that Andres and I count for previewing the season. That's, that's uh, uh, yeah, weird, but uh, anyway... <laughs> Uh, the results from the week end just gone were as follows. Vélez Sarsfield beat Newell's Old Boys 2-0 in the season opener. Tigre took a 2-0 lead against San Lorenzo very early on. You remember that match that I told you last week was going to be really, really boring? Um, and then San Lorenzo pulled it back to 2-2 before half-time. And then they produced, actually, by all accounts, a fairly dull second half uh, because that was how it finished, 2 all. On Saturday, we had a bunch of scores in binary. Gimnasia y Grima La Plata beat Argentinos Juniors 1-0. Unión de Santa Fe beat Aldo Civi 1-0. Patronato and Colón and then Belgrano and San Martín drew 0-0 in both of those matches. On Sunday morning, Boca Juniors beat Tacheres 1-0 with an early goal from Cristian Pavón against his old club. Godoy Cruz beat Estudiantes 1-0. Lanús took a 2-0 lead against Defensa Justicia, and they gave it away as well. That one also finished 2-2. Rosario Central beat Banfield 0-0. And Huracan and River Plate played a 0-0 draw on a pretty bad pitch. I don't normally like going on about pitches, but it's going to be difficult to um, 
ignore the state of the Oracan pitch uh, in this episode because that was one of the main talking points of the weekend. And the reasons why are even... <laughs> yes, they funnier. are, which we will get onto in a minute. Um, and then on Monday evening, it was Racing's turn to take a 2-0 lead and chuck it away, mm-hmm. which they duly did. They also drew 2-2 away to Atletico Tucumán in that clash of teams who have been in Libertadores action one week ago tonight because we're recording on Thursday this week. Um, it wasn't the most exciting season opening weekend uh, of, of my time watching the Argentine League. I don't know about you two. No, definitely not. A round of fairly uninspiring fixtures. Uh, more than anything, a couple of decent games you might have said beforehand Boca Tacheres could be interesting it wasn't really that interesting River Huracan could have been interesting again it was a fairly uh, mediocre match um, Leaf Racing came along at the end of the week and, and gave everyone something something to get excited about which was good I guess I think the most remarkable thing is that of three matches in which one team were, were, was uh, winning 2-0 and then the, the rival uh, drew it yeah. to two exactly that way. That's why they say 2 0 is the most dangerous result, right? Absolutely, yeah. yes. Uh, the only team to hold on to a 2 0 lead all weekend were Vélez, who took one, as I said, in the very first match. Um, perhaps we should start there because that was a match between two of the teams who, who Andres and I kind of agreed last week, if, if my memory isn't playing tricks on me. Uh, both needed to do better this season than they did last season, or, or not necessarily needed, but were both expected to. I don't think either of them are going to be. Uh, in too much relegation trouble, um, although Vélez could be if they if they slump too badly. Um, Newell's were <laughs> how can I put this kindly? Well, they, was, they were not good. Vélez changed and Newell's wasn't the same. Yes, I think that that's the best way of putting it. Can we um, say that Newell's lacked a, perhaps a little bit of turbo? Mm. Would you say that, Dan? I don't know. I didn't watch the game, but I mean, he wasn't. In the squad, so you know, in, in a very literal sense, yes, they, they did, did lack it. Um, uh, we're talking about Zitormo. Zitormo? I don't really know how the Portuguese would sound. But um, something. Yeah, Zitormo. <laughs> yeah, because he's from Africa. He's not uh, Brazilian or Portuguese. So is, is he Angolan or, or Cap Verdean or something? Cape, yeah? Cap Verdean, possibly. I yes. don't know when that's the right. Um, Term for somebody from yeah. Cap Verde, but yeah. Anyway, one of them. Um, Some, somewhere where they speak Portuguese on the African continent, yeah, or possibly just off the coast of it. If he is indeed, or possibly Verde. just just yes. be pedantic, which <laughs> you know I am. Um, Luis Leal was up front, and he was crap by the sounds of it. <laughs> um, I, I should clarify that this isn't a game that I have actually caught myself. Uh, I, I saw the result afterwards, basically because I was going to the pub on Friday night, and so I wasn't going to get the the packet de football up and pay for a whole day of football when I wasn't going to be actually watching any of it at home anyway. No, I say from the highlights I've seen, one guy who did shine might just be getting an international call up this Sunday. Go on. Uh, Maximiliano Vargas. Matias Vargas. Or Matias Vargas. Yes, Maxi right. Romero is the. Well, you know, Vélez kids, they'll. You could say him, you could call him Monito or Lil Monkey. Oh, Monito, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. By, very the way, good by the way, he will apparently will be called up by Scaloni for yes, for alongside Lautaro Martinez, Mario Cardi, uh, a few of these young young bucks for the United States friendlies. Yes, we will preview that squad in 
probably a little bit later uh, because it's expected to be announced on is it Sunday or Monday or something Sunday Sunday. wasn't tomorrow tomorrow yes so we'll have a a little bit of speculation about who else might be in it a little later on Um, but I think Andres summed it up quite nicely really in terms of as I said I didn't see the game but in in, in terms of the results and everything that we've heard about the match those of us who didn't watch it um, yeah same mules as last season I watched parts of it and and Belis, in during some parts of that part I, I watched, um, touched the ball uh, smoothly and, and like knowing the way they should they should play to, to get better results than, than previous season. And they did it, and especially of course with Vargas. Yeah, uh, it was a big result as well because it's the first league game at least without Mauro Zarate, which was one of the uh, soap operas of the winter with mm. his exit to uh, Boca and also... Uh, a pretty damaging Copa Argentina elimination at the hands of someone from the lower leagues. Gimnasia of Santiago de Estero, could be. Or Central Córdoba, or what? Central Córdoba, yes. Central Córdoba of Santiago Lestero. Of Santiago Lestero, which... And also the coach, Gabi Ainsi, not really been very happy about how the board's treated him and how he's not getting any money at all. And and all sorts of this kind of being taught that if they... Don't get off to a good start in this season. Ainsi will will leave, but if they get playing like that, uh, and I guess he probably will stick. Will stick around for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Newell's, of course, he's the team he's uh, played most of his career, or at least the first of part yes. of his career, and in the end also. So my, my, I think it should have been special for him, um, but. As a coach of Vélez, he of course must try best to win, and yes, I think it was decent. And uh, uh, it's strange how he complained, like in, like Dan says, after the match uh, of Copa Argentina in which Vélez uh, was eliminated, mm. because now it things, of course, it was only one match, and, and perhaps now they lose and uh, with the bad performance, and it will be the same. But uh, at least for the, for what they shown. They have shown in, the, in, that, in that match. Uh, I, I saw something different, at least. Uh, if Perez continues like that, they, like, like the players say sometimes, uh, if they play like this, uh, they will win more matches than they lose. Yeah, it's, it's the, the sort of game that they were failing to win last season. Um, and, uh, which you know, as we said, if they're going to improve this season, then then these are the matches that they, they really need to win rather than necessarily the biggest ones. Um, I mean, yeah, News at home is is as much as a, of a banker as you're going to get this season. Absolutely. The way News are going. Although I did look it up, and actually they did beat News uh, last season one nil. Uh, but it feels like the sort of fixture that they were not winning enough of last season, which is my point um, the best goal in my opinion of the weekend came in the very next game and indeed opened the scoring in the very next game with Lucas Menossi uh, who chested it down defensive midfielder chested it down and stuck in a half volley like Cristiano Ronaldo would have been proud of um, to open the scoring against San Lorenzo after four minutes Tigre were 2 up after ten minutes thanks to Federico Gonzalez and then they threw it away uh, San Lorenzo scored twice in 12 minutes and to concede twice this is another game I didn't catch much of I did wander through to the the, the bar in the pub um, that I was in uh, a couple of times during the first half and I saw one of San Lorenzo's goals oh no I saw Tigre's second goal go in in fact 
Um, but to concede twice to this San Lorenzo side... They still even called San Lorenzo, I've heard that oh we should God. refer to him properly as San Ecritorio now. <laughs> Is that not correct? Uh, it could be. Well, we'll get to why Dan says that in a second, Andres, you're trying to... Both goals of San Lorenzo were, we could consider them bloopers. As, uh, the, the first one was from uh, the ball bounced into, in a defender of Tigre, and of course, um, uh, Blandi was offside, but as the ball was deflected by a Tigre defender uh, or player, mm. uh, the goal was uh, awarded correctly. At, at first time, or, or initially, um, Spinoza, who was the referee, uh, was likely not to award it, but then he talked with the lineman who said, I think he said that he didn't watch that, but uh, that apparently the fourth man, assistant, uh, said that the ball had been deflected by the Tigre player. And the Tigre, Tigre supporters complained because they thought that it was like a bar thing. Mm. Oh no, there is no bar here. Why are you... Like, they thought that they watched on TV or something like that. <laughs> but, uh, and then there was a big and massive mistake from Canuto that uh, served the ball. Uh, he tried to pass it to, to the Tigre uh, goalkeeper. Oh, yes, uh, yeah. Marinelli was the goalkeeper, or...? Yeah, Marinelli, Gonzalo Marinelli. Well, and the ball was short, and, well, it was just for for Reniero to to catch it and and score with only a touch. Yeah, it's a bit of egg on certain pundits' faces, I won't name any names, because it's me. Um, who said that uh, Tigre were tightening up and making themselves harder to beat during the first half of the year. Uh, I, I mean, they, they didn't lose this match, but I feel like it's egg on my face because uh, they did concede two goals. And as I say, conceding two goals to San Lorenzo is not great. We're going to move away from the league for just a second and explain what's happened in the Copa uh, Sudamericana um, over the last week because I think we mentioned last week, didn't we? That, uh, I mentioned you, that, mentioned, but so they still did, uh, hadn't... Uh, uh, Taking a resolution about it, but yeah, uh, and then they not the, by last week? the day after we recorded, but the day that the podcast actually went up last week, they did take that decision. They confirmed that yes. San Lorenzo had been awarded uh, a three 0 win in that first leg, which you'll remember finished two one to Temuco, and San Lorenzo played terribly. And then last night on Wednesday evening, uh, this week Temuco won the second leg one nil which means that San Lorenzo go through on aggregate by the exact score that they actually lost by uh, on aggregate, 3-1. Um, which is just, I mean, you'd have thought, okay, they were 3 0 up, but you'd have thought they, that they, they would have wanted an improved performance to try and get some momentum behind the team. And last night, watching the game, it was just like, God, are they not even going to try? They could have even got out. Like, yeah. Uh, Nicolas Navarro made so many saves. It was incredible. Temuco, it was just one-way traffic. Yeah. Um, but what happened with weird, the, the player, weird. Temuco, is they submitted the uh, list of the players with, I think it's Requena, the former defensive yeah, Tizia. Requena was the player, yeah. Uh, and uh, they, said, they said that Colmebol didn't say anything at that point, but they did when San Lorenzo complained. Something yeah. like that. Uh, like uh, there was no one, no no advice of that uh, about that problem. Uh, so we assume that if San Lorenzo wouldn't have complained of, or if they had won that that match uh, at the Nuevo Asometro, nothing would have happened. I, I think that um, 
I have a feeling, and I don't know for sure, but I, I, I think I'm right in saying that Conmebol's um, competition guidelines state that if in, in cases where it's an administrative error, the wronged club has to actually make an appeal in order to, you know, they have to say, hey, we, we want the points for this match, as it were. Uh, if it's, uh, you know, crowd violence or racist chanting or something like that, then Conmebol can step in. Um, and funnily enough, last night... Uh, there was some crowd violence involved as well, which San Lorenzo have also made a complaint about. Um, and the AFA might very well be going to Conmebol um, shortly and asking them to insist on higher security measures when Argentine clubs play outside Argentina. Because in last year's Copa Sudamericana final, um, there were similar events around Independiente uh, when when they were um, when they travelled to Rio for for the away leg of that. Um, and last night the second half got held up because San Lorenzo's goalkeeper whose name I've just forgotten Nicolas Navarro thank you Nicolas Navarro got hit by something uh, thrown from the crowd a coin or something he didn't save it before he was <laughs> it was the only thing that did hit him all night yeah. um, I also well, remember it wasn't the only thing that did him, him yeah. I should say yeah. <laughs> I also um, remember a final between San, Sao Paulo and Tigre uh, ah that yeah. was the pits yeah yeah, yeah the one that got, uh, got called off at half yeah. time didn't it I think or, so I, I was flying at the time yeah Tigre refused to come out of the dressing room because they said that the military police had hit him on the way to the that was right off yeah. the pitch or something like that yeah mm. that was that was pretty desperate um, but yeah the AFA are apparently going to ask Conmebol for um, to take this into account um, and Temulcon might be in for a uh, fine for that as well so it, it all round it's been a pretty undignified uh, about as undignified as winning both legs of a two-legged tie can be for Temuco yeah off the pitch at least on the pitch they, they left a pretty decent impression yeah but, I, I, uh, I like, administratively they do leave quite a bit to be decided it seems yeah. I, I think with the team that loses because they made a mistake say they won by secretary they say in Chile at Chile or by the desk because it was an, in a desk that they they, they finally advanced. But mm. if you made a mistake, either either uh, uh, throw pepper pepper spray or or, or <laughs> submit the player in the wrong way, why why do you why you say it happens in Argentina, in Chile, or in South America? I think uh, overall, but uh, you don't you don't uh, say I made a mistake. You say all all the time. That the other team won in a not decent way or not in the in the playing the match. Yeah. Uh, well, it's funny. Plus, Chile were pretty quick to ask for the points with and, um, when Bolivia were the team that was yes. in the wrong route. Well, and in fairness to Chile, that and that's exactly what ended up meaning that they didn't qualify for the World Cup uh, because it was the fact that the points ended up got, Peru benefited by more points than Chile did in the end, and that's why they finished ahead of them. Um, anyway, dragging this back to the Superliga. Uh, I mean, I'm struggling to find many talking points about Saturday's matches. Uh, I caught the second pair of the four. No, hang on. There, there were two pairs of matches, if, if you will. I didn't see Gimnasia Argentinos. It was at lunchtime. I was out of the flat with my girlfriend. I didn't bother watching Union versus Aldo Sibi. Um, I did watch Patronato against Colón and Belgrano against San Martín, which were the two that finished goalless. It has to be said that in the case of Belgrano San Martín, the second half particularly, um, it didn't feel like a nil-nil. There, there were chances at both ends there. Especially um, for Belgrano, right? Yeah, I mean, in, in the second half, I, Belgrano seemed to be largely on top. I'm looking at the stats now, and they actually said that Belgrano had eight shots to San Martín's 13. Um, and, but Belgrano hit the post... 
Um, and, and they had sort of, by and large, the better of the play. San Martin were more threatening on the counter-attack. This is San Martin de San Juan, by the way. San Martin de Tucumán um, are in the Superliga this season as well. So we're going to start differentiating between them. But we'll probably start doing that next week because uh, they didn't play this weekend. Just gone. Their, their, their fixture was the one against Independiente that was postponed due to uh, Independiente playing that friendly in Japan. Um, friendly? Of friendly. If they've t- they've tied on cups of Boca now, but surely. But surely, Boca that played another international, turn- uh, sorry, friendly, yeah. uh, and they didn't have their matches postponed. Can't believe you're disparaging well, the, well, well, I, the I prestigious Copa. Partly the so time isn't as much, but also I, I think Boca would have been um, allowed to have postponed their match if they'd asked to, but they didn't. Oh, well, really? I think because it fell within. But that was a friendly. No, they, I mean, they would have had time to fly. And the end this wasn't playing technically a friendly. Technically. Techn- no, it's on the Commonwealth calendar. Yeah, I guess you've got to win something to qualify for, yeah. haven't you? Yeah, so well, so they play anyway. in Spain, not in Japan. Yeah. That's yeah. another, perhaps. Indeed. Indeed. Um, but yeah, Bel- Belgrano San Martin was, was you know, fairly decent. It, it was a bit of a shame that it ended a day of fairly uninspiring matches, though. Uh, Patronato against Colón was was the, the game which made me think oh here we are another season <laughs> has started that's all I'm going to say about that one uh, the other two matches I didn't catch as I say did either of you catch no, Gimnasia no. Argentinos or Unión Marcel uh, Andres you said last week you were going to watch all the matches no no I, I said I would watch all the matches on, on Friday ah right I see I watched all the matches nice on Monday of course I'm sure you did. Uh, the matches on Monday. Let, let's skip forward. Uh, how were the matches on Monday, Dan? How many of them were there? Uh, just one. Okay. Which was, which made it a lot easier to to keep up with. Um, it was an a very interesting match, a very end to end attacking match, which could even have uh, finished with more goals than the four that went in. Um, it started with Racing playing. Much better than they had against uh, River midweek in the Copa Libertadores. That's that's a low bar to clear, but we'll get on to that yeah, in a little while. It's kind of a similar sort of setup, like they had a lot of possession, but they actually seemed to do something with it. Um, they were a little bit more incisive. They were helped with uh, an Atletico team that came out a bit and attacked, rather than River, who sat kind of very deep and looked to play on the counter, which are the kind of teams Racing don't enjoy playing against. Um, a couple of goals one either side of half time if I remember rightly you're harassing yes you remember wrongly according the to, first half according to the stats I'm looking at Lisandro um, Lopez 27 minutes in and Gustavo Bull 35 minutes in that's it it was a, a late flurry at the end of the of the first half Lisandro Lopez with a cracking uh Lob from the edge of the area and Gustavo Will hitting the net for the first time since his glorious Racing return after only a year. Can you imagine? Can you believe he was only a year away? Uh, yeah, I can. But it feels Actually, like a lot longer. It happens. Um, it does somehow. I, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I guess we had Lautaro and it also seems that Lautaro's been there for God knows how long. Yeah, but he broke through in the first half of last year, what, didn't he? What happened? Yeah. Two months or so in the first what, what happened to him in Mexico? He finally didn't find that place in the team? He or? started well, if I remember correctly, and sort of tailed off. You know, a year's a long time in in South American and Latin American football, so anything can happen mm. over the course of one season. 
Um, so yeah, Racing were in a commanding position, playing nice football, and just sort of gave it away. I'm still having quite a hard time explaining how it happened. Uh, Atletico hit back with a fairly fortuitous, fortuitous goal, um, scored by Guillermo Costa, who had the benefit of a fairly meaty deflection, which wrong-footed new Racing keeper Gabi Arias. He has also now got a, a pretty spectacular statistic, which I'm going to mention in a minute when you finish talking about the game. And then just when Racing were looking to close the game down and brought a defender, another defender on, David Barbona came. Rodrigo Schlegel, is that the defender? Rodrigo Schlegel, Never that's him. Uh, David Barbona turned up with a cracking volley. It was a game, it was a game with some pretty nice goals. Hmm. So that pegged Racing back, and even at the death, they were fairly fortunate not to, lo- not to lose because Leandro Diaz spooned one over the crossbar where it seemed impossible to miss. The no goal of the year, I think, is. Very possibly, yeah. But Racing had other chances. They've got to be disappointed with, uh, with the draw, I think. It was a very good performance for 60 minutes and a fairly nightmarish 30, which can happen always when you're. When your coach is Chacha Caudet, you're mm. always going to get some good football, but you're going to have those walk-around moments that make you want to die. Uh, what's this stat, Sam? Um, Guillermo Acosta has now scored 24 goals in his last 22 appearances for Atletico Tucumán. I haven't got those numbers the wrong way around. And they haven't really? lost any of those matches. 24 in What? Yeah. Are you sure? Apparently. It's either that or... Th- maybe I have got them the wrong way around. It might be 22 in, the list, in his last 24. But they haven't lost any of those games. Um, and, even, uh, and of course, one of them, one of those goals, yeah, exactly, and one of those goals was the second one last Thursday um, against Atletico Nacional in the Copa Libertadores. Wait, but surely 16. that would mean that Atletico Tucumán have won their last 22 games? Well, or? draws do exist or in football as well. They've, won they've, or drawn their last won, 22 games? No, well, of the ones he's played in, they've won 16 and drawn 6. I don't think they have this year. Is this possibly games that like Guillermo Costa has scored yeah. in? Yeah. Just, but not played in. Of the played last, in. Well, yeah, so it's the last 22, his last 22 appearances. Or is it? So he scored 24 goals. I've got a this, feeling this it... This was the stat as I saw it tweeted. I've got a feeling it would be the last 22 games in which he scored. Oh, you reckon? Hmm. 22 appearances, because... If, if that is the case, then some of the uh, at least two different Argentine statisticians need to learn how to write properly on Twitter. Uh, yeah, it does seem Which like it wouldn't actually a... surprise me that much, so it could be. But, um, but still, an impressive, anyway, an impressive stat. It is. Um, and he also scored the second on Thursday against Atletico Nacional in a 2-0 win for Atletico Tucumán. Last week, Andres and I were previewing that match, or sort of previewing it, and I mentioned that I thought that Atletico were going to score first, but not necessarily win the match. As it was, they did both. Um, I can't remember who got the first goal in that. But I do remember that it was a decidedly more entertaining game than Racing River, which we were expecting so much of, and which turned out to be a bit of a damp squib. In part, it has to be said, because Leonardo Poncio was a very naughty boy, um, and ended up ruining the match, well, the second half at least, as a spectacle uh, yes. by getting himself sent off right <laughs> on the stroke of half time for a second booking, um, which meant that Racing, again, in the second half were playing against 10 men. It meant that River were more than happy to play for the draw and they're very good at doing that when they need to. Um, and it didn't help that Racing were a bit sort of 
shorn of ideas, if you don't mind me saying that. How, no, how, how are you feeling about that ahead of the second leg, which obviously River are going to be back to 11 men and at home? The way I saw the um, that game, I was in the stadium, I was uh, I went and it was all very exciting. Um, I saw a team in Racing that had... Um, Had very little time to prepare. They hadn't. I don't think they played even ninety minutes of of a friendly before the game, mm. uh, which obviously doesn't make it easy. Uh, it was a team that was kind of learning as they went along, trying to get kind of that match rhythm back, and and it was a bit tough. Uh, the first twenty minutes or so, I uh, thought I was going to have a heart attack because every time River got the ball, even if they didn't yeah. make any clear chances, which often they didn't. The way that they stretched Racing and just... I, I thought it was very... Marched up the field was... It was very was apparent scary. that River, albeit they were quite one-sided games, but River had had two good competitive matches in the Copa Argentina in pre-season, if you like, whereas Racing hadn't had that benefit. Um, it, it, you know, River looked more match-sharp. Um, they did indeed. And I, I think that also is what played into the fact that in the second half, when it became a matter of River playing for the draw because they were down on man. They were able to do it fairly comfortably because, again, Racing were not quite as. They weren't clicking. No, they were missing that coherence with a couple of new players and the old, the old, uh, the established players not quite being on their game. Um, but the away leg, I'm not feeling too bad about because I know that River have to go out and attack. I think that. The river defence, if they are stretched, can concede goals. And the nil-nil in the first leg might just end up suiting Racing a little bit more than River. River has a problem now at the, with the right-back because Machada has been injured, has had an injury just today, I think. He was a, uh, um, and also Montiel has been injured before. Now, now appears Moreira as an option. He has... has it was about to be sold to Sao Paulo and finally he, he had to stay because Mantilo was injured and now Machada also. Um, but he has a 10-month in, uh, inactivity. Um, now he apparently, apparently will play against Belgrano and he will try. But uh, of course it's not the same as uh, having the time to prepare, to train. Uh, and um, ab- about the match against Racing for the Copa Libertadores, I think it was one, of course one match in the first half. With River managing more the more the ball than Racing, but Racing having perhaps clear chances. Yeah. And in the second half, I think it was the typical match in which a team that has ten men is in, in their home, in their side, and and the rival can't enter to the box because they have a lot uh, more less space, and they don't have they don't know how to to get in, get there. And uh, even when we say this. Uh, that is something typical or something that is repeatedly repeatedly happens when a team has to defend. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's like very very common to, to see a match uh, a match in which a team uh, going uh, having to push hard because the, the other has ten men can't get into the box or, or can't get real chances. River of course uh, I think didn't have many chances or what uh, even. Uh, less possession of the ball and uh, have to do what they could to, to, to keep the, the, the I mean the blank uh, the clean sheet uh, and they could have lost it 
with the header from Cristal, the, the one of the signings. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it was the, another reason it was a typical uh, continental performance was that Eduardo Caudet was one of the managers and Franco Armani pulled off some great saves for the opposition. Yeah, Caudet. It's going to be having nightmares it's, about him again. He already had, because um, of the game back in El Cilindro in April or March, yeah. when he stopped everything on River 1-2-0. Caldet said of... then I hate him yes <laughs> take <laughs> him off you know, in, in fairness to Caldet obviously with, with a smile on his yeah. face he said it in about as good humour as he could have done it's because they were showing his saves on uh, one of the monitors in the press conference it's like turn that off I don't want to see that fucking person uh, to go back ever no. so quickly to Guillermo Costa yep he has scored 24 goals in 159 Atletico Tucumán appearances okay from 2013 to the present. So those 24 goals must be spread over From the National B, yeah. the last season he scored against Racing. Yeah. He must have scored one in a bunch of games and then two in a couple of them or something like exactly, that. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So it's so the he, games they've never every lost time he scores. Scored. Yes. Um, thank you for clarifying that one. Um, I'm sure all our listeners will be very glad to hear. Indeed. Back to the Superliga. Poncio's uh, sending off in that game kind of ended up in a very small way uh, affecting Rivers' match on Sunday because it meant that Bruno Suculini came into the starting lineup away to Huracan. Would that have to do with Superliga if the sending off was in the Copa? Well, because Poncio's going to be suspended for the second leg. Ah, so they're just going so to raise Ga- Suculini up. So Gachardo wants to, wants to give Suculini some playing time in order to get him yes. warmed up because he is Poncio's replacement. Um, and as such, he was starting alongside Ezequiel Palacios in the middle of Rivers' uh, midfield. The middle of the midfield. The centre of the midfield, let's say. Mm-hmm. That sounds a bit better, doesn't it? Um, it wasn't a particularly good game. Huracan's pitch was a complete mess. Every time that there is a pitch that's a complete mess in Argentina, people point it out, people complain about it. But now we have the Superliga, which is supposed to be super professional and all the rest of it. And so people are complaining about it even more. And the Superliga decided that they're going to look into the possibility of punishing Huracan for this. Yeah. And maybe in future, Good insisting match. that clubs move stadiums when they can't get their own pitch up to scratch for a match. Uh, Ole, the, the day after the game, or two days after the game or so, uh, quite pointedly on their homepage had a, a big image of what Rivers pitch is going to look like on Sunday. <laughs> Bad. Looking absolutely pristine, mm-hmm. um, which I suspect is something that you know, like River were obviously trying to get it as good as they can anyway. But it wouldn't surprise me if after that happened, they were like, just try and make it extra nice, yeah, for for Sunday, yeah. so we can make a point. It'd be um, all right as long as it doesn't rain from here until yeah. Sunday, because the monumental doesn't cope that well with rain. Indeed, um, but as Andres uh, said, the reason that the pitch was bad. Take the, it away, Andres. There, there's a part from that well, another hilarious thing, which is that even national team had a training session there mm. before yes. the World Cup, yeah. and the pitch was like this. And now Superliga, oh, the pitch was horrible. Well, let's find Huracan, and they, they couldn't have uh, watched it or s- s- seen it before and say, no, you can't play here. You will have to play at Bell Stadium or yeah. I know another team in Capital Federal, not in yours even when the supporters complaining about that measure about or decision and, and the thing is that they, they definitely could have seen it before because it's been like that for a year mm. it's the, it was after the uh, La, La Renga concert, concerts La Renga uh, yeah uh, La Renga is, is, is 
hard rock or national rock from Argentina, of course, band, and they had some concerts there one year ago, and after the, that... The picture's been a state ever since, and apparently they, this they is the first time would have noticed it. They discovered something, some things that weren't fine with the, with the of course, with the grass, behind, uh, under the, the, the surface, hmm. uh, and they couldn't fix it, of course, in one year, and now they hired a special, specialist in, in, well, of course, in, in, in stadiums, and, and but... Yes, it's really, really funny that one year and they now are, oh yes, the, 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 the pitch is wrong, we have to find you. And, and even now Fox complained because they had to, of course, they pay for, for the rights and yeah. they, show, they show it, I think it's Latin America or only Argentina? Uh, the, well, the Superliga, the, 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 the Paquete Football is, is just in Argentina. Oh. The, although I think Fox... Are the people who've got the rights for the rest of South America, but they buy those off Torneos who are in charge of selling the, the foreign ones at the moment. The big question is, though, was the pitch responsible for one of the worst penalties I've seen in recent times? Well, or it was it, it, it Martinez's love for Huracan? I, I think he deliberately uh, chucked it over because he couldn't bear to score against his former but, club. Right, Speaking Martinez had already split, split a lot of times, uh, not split, um, uh, slipped, Mm. A lot of times before the, he 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 shot the penalty and he it was clear that he wasn't stable because of his <laughs> shoes or because of the of course the also the the bad conditions of the of the of the pitch but it was clear not that he will send it to the moon uh, but that it wasn't a, a firm mm. for him to 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 take the penalty perhaps he and then, then there was there were questions. It was well for him to to shoot the penalty because he was Huracan player, but that's I think is nonsense. Yes. Indeed, uh, if Lucas Menossi won goal of the weekend, which uh, I awarded him a little earlier on, you might remember, then I'm going to give my impact of the weekend award to Nicolas Fernandez of Defensa y Justicia. Uh, who were 2 0 down to Lanús after 12 minutes, thanks to goals on his debut from the penalty spot from Sebastián Rivas, who signed from Patronato over the winter break, and then a second from Tomás Belmonte. Last the... year's Superliga top scorer, uh, if I remember correctly, Rivas? Yes, he was in the end. For Patronato, um, which takes some doing. Indeed. Um, and particularly as we made a point of several times pointing out last season given the fact that he didn't even have a very impressive goal scoring record in his career until joining Patronato uh, and, and then he started shitting goals um, Defensa Justicia were still 2-0 down not, not only were they 2-0 down after 12 minutes but they were still 2-0 down with 12 minutes left to play and then Nicolas Fernandes happened uh, to Lanús he scored twice in 3 minutes they were both quite nicely taken goals, go. um, and that was enough to claim a point for Defensa y Justicia, who on the balance of play, I mean, I switched the television on with about 20 minutes gone, so Lanús were already 2-0 up, but I was like, oh, bloody hell, how did that happen, given you know, how, how poor Lanús are and what good football Defensa y Justicia were playing last season? Um, and on the balance of play from what I saw, obviously it's always effective when you've got one team losing, you know that that team are... You know, if they're halfway competent, they're going to end up dominating the play because they're the ones who are pushing to, to try and get back into the game. Um, but I thought it was difficult to say that they that they didn't um, deserve the point in the end, really. There you go. Don't I'm not going to argue. Yeah. I'm not going to argue with you because I didn't see the match. Lovely. Me neither. What all of this means 
Oh, we haven't really talked about Boca. We, we should do that. The defending should. champions. Yes. Um, and they began with a win uh, at the first 11am kickoff of the season. As I mentioned earlier, Christian Pavon with a nicely, very sweetly struck um, half volley against his former club, which he obviously didn't celebrate, against Tacheres. It was a game in which for the second season... So, this was the first thing, right? The Superliga made this big song and dance when they released the fish list about how we've... We got 17 different groups of Nobel Prize winning scientists and Fields Medal winning mathematicians to put the Superliga calendar together this season. And we've been very careful to make sure that teams who have been playing each other four times running in the last, you know, in the same stadium are going to play each other in the other stadium this time around. But you still get fixtures like this where Boca played Tacheres in La Bombonera last season and they played Tacheres in the Bombonera again this season. Yeah, about three months ago because it was a game that was fairly towards the end of the season as well. Yeah, um, and so it, it's, I mean, the, the really weird stuff like uh, Boca and Vélez, you know, that was the big headline making one, only having met in Liniers for like the last four years, uh, that has been corrected. Excellent. But why didn't they just say, right, wherever you played between the same two teams last season... We're going to switch the home and away this season. That, that wouldn't have been difficult, but apparently it would have been. Um, yes. And so we have Boca Tacheres in the Bombonera for the second year running and for the, well, for the, the, the first year running, because as Daniel said, it was actually earlier this year towards the end of last season, for the second season running. Um, and for the second season running, Tacheres were a bit disappointing. I mean, Pavon scored that early goal and then Tacheres didn't really do an awful lot to... You know, to to get back into the game, Boca just kind of held them at arm's length, yeah. which which made it a bit of a dull game after getting up at eleven a.m. on a Sunday. But uh, I remember when Tachez was playing well, even with Kudelka at the bench, uh, and all of the players. I think Reynoso was there, or no? I think when the last time they played, and when Kudelka was still there, uh, Reynoso wasn't there. Yeah, that was after Reynoso yeah. had been transferred to Boca during the, yeah. the summer window. Yeah, um, and they lost to Lassa, the the Uruguayan fullback who's now at Boca. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's like Tashil is a pretty much a feeder club for Boca these days. Indeed. So yeah, feeder but club can't beat their parent club, obviously. That's what you get when, the, when there the presidents of the two clubs get on nicely and mm. have some business dealings. Ignacio is still there with he 39 did. and he played decently. Yeah. He did, yeah. He, he was one of the few bright spots for them. Yes. I mean, I still think that Tacheres are, are probably in for another decent season because they're a decent team. But yeah, they're... it's just a bit disappointing yeah, okay. that they keep going away to Boca and just sort of also Silva is missing there I don't know whether he was uh, in the starting lineup, but he well of course left to Santiago go. Silva yes. he went to Gimnasia yes yes of course he did well remembered yes. um, not only did he go to Gimnasia but I have a feeling oh he didn't no Gimnasia scored their goal after about 20 seconds and it was Maromaidana own goal um, but he was sort of lurking on the corner of the defender to, to force it as it were um all of this means that after one match, nah, <laughs> Boca Juniors, regardless of what the Argentine media say, Boca Juniors are not top of the league after 610 days. Vélez Southfield are top of the league because goal difference is a thing. And Vélez scored two goals well, TV, and conceded none. TV uh, uh, put a message or a legend uh, yeah. saying that they were leaders for 46 rounds, uh, uh, of course, oh. since... I mean, I get the point. If they yeah. finish tied on, on points at the top of the table, then there's a playoff, isn't there, rather than it going on goal yes. difference. But it's still a bit like... I mean, if you put the table at the moment, Vélez are top of it because they've got better goal difference. So you just don't say anything, really. Yeah, just don't say it. If it happens in the next round that Boca get more points, then uh, 
top, then fine. But let's could claim that they, they are the, from there. But let's could claim that they are the leaders, but they had already uh, dis- been disappointed by uh, Boca having to play that match for Copa Libertadores, and exactly. uh, when they when they were already qualified, so they don't even no. may have the willing to to complain. It is still very much up for grabs, though. It's fair to say. Uh, San Martín de Tucumán and Independiente, I suppose, have had fairly acceptable weekends, really, given that they didn't play. They're already 19th and 20th by virtue of having a goal yeah. difference of zero. If they can keep that up a few more weeks, they might be changing for the title. Somehow. Absolutely. Um, we're going to take a break now. We're going to refill our glasses. And when we come back, we will give you a bit of a discussion about the national team thingies that we were talking about earlier. And um, look forward to the Superliga weekend to come, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Argentina still has one. That's the good news. Do they sort of? Kind of. Yeah. By default. Uh, they are the 11th best national team in the world, apparently. Yeah, something that was taken as a tragedy here. Indeed. By people dropped, who take FIFA rankings seriously. They've dropped out of the top 10 for the first time in a long time. Where are England now? They must be in the top 10, right? You think? Semi-finalists? Yeah, surely. I mean, logic would dictate, Yeah, but then again, we didn't beat anybody very good to get there. Well, Colombia, but apart from that. Um, and we didn't beat them, we drew with them, didn't we? Because that's what counts for the FIFA rankings. So we didn't beat anybody very good to get there. Uh, anyway, Argentina, this is an Argentine football podcast. Um, and Argentina have a couple of friendlies coming up. They're going to be playing them without Lionel Messi. It's been confirmed. Messi's going to take a break from the national team until the end of the year, which, depending on who you listen to on Twitter and, uh, and, and elsewhere, is because Messi's a diva, it's because he's capricious or, or jealous of other people's achievements or because he's only got his best interests at heart or it's because he's fed up with the AFA. I think that's probably the most likely decision. Um, or a bit burnt out and realises he's getting older and wants to rest a bit more, maybe. I mean, yeah, um, if... We remember and use a little bit of perspective and um, actually remember he didn't play the first friendlies after the 2014 World Cup either. Mm. Um, yeah, it seems like a completely logical, completely uh, predictable decision uh, that he's not going to go to two essentially meaningless friendlies in the United States. Obviously, it's not great news for the Afghan accountants because, as we all know, they get paid more when Messi plays. Yeah, uh, but um, as we said countless times on on the pod, uh, the the renewal, the change of personnel that Argentina needs, just it should have been done before, but it can't be put off anymore. And yeah. while Messi, obviously, if he wants to, will have a role in that renewal, that uh, Lionel Scaloni, who's going to be in charge for these two friendlies after taking Argentina to victory in a recent under-20 tournament in La Culia, which I've managed to say right on the second take as well because we've <laughs> had to do this again because of my water heater. Um, 
All indications suggest that he will be picking a youthful squad full of a uh, few new names. Um, we mentioned before Matia Vargas, El Monito from Vélez is looking likely to get a call up. Uh, Inter pairing now. <laughs> Mauro Icardi and Lautaro Martinez are likely to be there. I've also heard that Santiago Ascasivar is in for uh, for inclusion as well. Um, and more from Leandro Paredes. Yeah, uh, who was sort of on the brink before the World Cup but didn't quite make it so yeah. these kind of names Germán Pesela who I can't remember who plays for now but he's Fiorentina Fiorentina he's the captain of Fiorentina there we go uh, there are a few names that uh, uh, Rulli I think uh, is another one uh, Real Sociedad keeper I've, I've got a few here listed there are a few uh, players who are not going to be involved they haven't stepped down from the national team in the way that Javier Mascherano and Lucas Biglia did right after mm. the World Cup um but it's apparently confirmed that Sergio Aguero, Gonzalo Higuaín, Eber Banega, Ángel Di María and Nicolás Otamendi won't be um, in this squad. That's been confirmed by Scaloni rather than by the players themselves. Um, and that the list is looking like... The, the ones who were at the World Cup who still have a chance at these call-ups are Franco Armani, mm-hmm. Nicolás Tagliafico, Gabriel Mercado, Cristian Pavón, Giovanni Lo Celso, Paolo Dybala, Eduardo Salvio and Marcos Acuña. Um, this is all according to a website called elonce.com, yeah. by the way, and which is from somewhere in Argentina. According to the letter, some others from here, from Argentina, yeah. apart from Pavón, uh, and well, Mesa has already been in the World Cup, but also Alan Franco and, Christi- and Bustos from, from Independiente, mm-hmm. and Piti Martinez is the mm-hmm. newest, I think. Yeah, um, and Matias Vargas, as, yes, as Dan mentioned earlier, from Belis yes. Um Others who were in contention, and Dan's already mentioned Icardi and, and Lautaro Martinez and Ruli, Petzela. Uh, Juan Foyt of Tottenham um, is said to be being looked at. Ramiro Funes Mori, did you mention him? I did not, no. Um, yeah, worryingly enough. <laughs> Walter Kahneman, which seems remarkable to me because he's about 30 or 31 already. Hey, so he's been pretty solid for Grêmio, yeah. But age-wise, I wouldn't say that he's one for the future. No. Um, Matthias Kranevita. Maybe coming back into it, along with Santiago Ascasibar, Franco yeah. Basquez is an interesting one too. But isn't he in Italy? In Italy international? He played for Italy, definitely. He's mentioned here. Hmm. So, makes me doubt the yeah. veracity of this website a little bit, because he definitely played for Italy. Franco Vasquez. Argentina. If they hear press from this, it's a, it's a count, count taking the count for for uh, being eligible for official yeah, maybe senior international yeah. debut for Italy in 2015. Maybe right. they're talking about a different Franco Vasquez. <laughs> Very who, possibly. Who, who we've never heard of. Uh, maybe they just forgot altogether that he played for for Argentina. Perhaps I'm surprised not to see uh, Angel Correa's name mentioned. It seems to be he just doesn't seem to. Uh, get considered when he's been one of the most consistent young performers in European football over the last year at least mind you I've just found a website from uh, called goal.com which I yeah. believe you work for Dan uh, their Spanish language version reporting in January this year that Sam Pauli had met up with Franco Vasquez to see whether he could play in the Argentine national team so there has to be something behind this maybe it was an ineligible performance for some reason I think isn't there sort of a bylaw that says if they their joint internationals play once in a friendly but then don't play for so many years they can be repatriated or something like that? I think it's precisely because they were only friendlies that he played for by the look of it mm-hmm. from from the look of this article, uh, which awesome. is 
not so the rules they that I've seen before, they are not, but there and they are not taking into account anymore if they can't play for the yeah. other. I mean, I've had that done for under 21 games and that, but never for playing, you know, in full, in senior internationals. Huh. Yeah, apparently if it's a friendly and the team who want to have him ask for a special permission, uh, then they can get around permission. it. So there we go. Um, yeah. It is possible. So yeah, yeah Franco Vasquez is up for grabs, it would yeah. seem. But then would Italy have to consent? Because you think they want him around, right? I mean, I don't really know why he's been ignored so long when Italy have been so shit. Who knows? Anyway, he's there apparently, as is Franco Serbi and Giovanni Simeone are the other names. When, yeah, Simeone is another one, yes. But when I think that when uh, Italy uh, were eliminated from World Cup, then there was like a, a, a the idea of, of make a different structure with more local or right. play, uh, Ital- Italian players or born in Italy that play in the, in the Serie A or in the Italian football not so not a lot of players uh, that play abroad or, yeah. or that won that, for example I, I imagine Jorginho that mm. of course Jorginho is not it, Italian even when he had, has uh, the community passport or something like that I mean yeah after all what have Italy ever won with a uh, team packed with foreign players indeed uh, or with any Argentine players at all in the squad even if it's just one um, but yeah so th- th- there is a certain regeneration that's, that's going to be taking place Scaloni is going to oversee yes. at least these two and possibly as many as six friendlies between now and the end of the year because there are double FIFA dates um, in September which are the two that are scheduled and then in uh, October and in November right uh-huh. Um, there is going to be a friendly against Brazil at some point in those, and you know, presumably this being Argentina, um, and you know, one of the national teams that, even with the current mismanagement, people do still want to play against and go and watch. Um, you would think that they're going to be scheduling the other three friendlies as well. Um, it seems quite likely that uh, what's his name, uh, Pablo Ayman is going to be assistant to Scaloni for the first two in the United States and then come back to take charge of the under-15s and under-17s again and that they're going to search for another sort of interim yeah. assistant for Scaloni there. No, no sort of personal problems or... or no, ahead of the, the under-20 championships, South America, yeah. which will be in January, February. Exactly. Uh, it, it just sort of made more sense that way, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. That's what we know so far. Manager-wise... It's not going to be Pep Guardiola. It's, it's definitely. definitely not. <laughs> no. It's, it's because of his it's fat wallet, apparently. Um, Chiquitapia eloquently said. Yeah, Claudio Tapia reckons that he got in touch with Pep Guardiola and was told to go away. Um, Pep Guardiola says that they never spoke to him. Yeah. La Nación uh, reported over the weekend that they have managed to confirm by talking to one of um, the directors of the AFA there had been a WhatsApp conversation with Pep Guardiola's brother, Pere Guardiola, <laughs> who is... Pep Guardiola's agent as well and he had said look I'll put you in touch with you if you want but I can tell you right now it's not going to go anywhere um, so they probably said ah, don't like, they, they had screenshots that they published of, of, of this uh, conversation um, so that's probably what I, I have to admit right? when I saw the Tapia quote I thought well he's obviously joking and, and I appear to have been the only person in Argentina who, thought that, who, who gives Tapia some kind of uh, Credit for having any kind of sense of humour because everybody else was like oh he said this how stupid is he and I was thinking but he was taking the piss wasn't he how, how could he have been being serious there I mean of course they can't afford Guardiola what was he expecting 
Um, so it, my own naivety uh, undersold me a little bit there, maybe. Well, um, Pet wasn't particularly happy with it either. He, no, indeed. He said, yeah, it hurt that someone's talking about his salary. Yeah. It's strange coming from Tapia, who proved himself as such an able diplomat and almost secured world peace indeed. Uh, yeah. ahead of this that aborted uh, Israel-friendly. Now yeah. he's suddenly lost his diplomatic potential, it seems. D- Diego Maradona has thrown his hat into the ring as a possible oh, manager. Really. Do we think that would be a good idea? But how's he going to juggle that with his role as president of Dinamo Brest and also consult, consulting at uh, Deportivo Rieta? <laughs> you, you can't see this. He has his eyes in many fries, that man. He um, really does. He does. Do, do, do we think that he does indeed deserve to be taken as seriously as he claims he deserves to be taken? Mm. Touchy subject for another um, time. Maradona's Maradona. He's always going to command... Uh, that kind of respect for what he did as a player and, you know, taking the team to two World Cup finals, one World Cup victory. But as a coach, I would I would say a very, very polite, uh, cheers, Diego, but maybe, maybe not now. I think I, I'm glad that I asked the question rather than answering it myself there, Dan, because you put that far more diplomatically than I would have done. Well, you know, um, that's, why I'm, that's why I'm going for uh, Tapia's job. Yes, indeed. Uh, hilariously, Maradona also complains that uh, everybody ignores him when these conversations come up. Mm. As, as I put it on Twitter when this happened, what Argentine football really needs to do is spend more time talking about Diego Maradona. Yes. Uh, th- th- that's the main problem with it. Um, well, uh, isn't Maradona, uh, you don't have a photo of Maradona in your Twitter account? No, I've got Messi on it, on it now. Ah, oh, it's Messi now? Oh, yeah, well, yeah. you changed it. M- M- Maradona had one... Uh, wife-beating allegation too many and I thought I, I can't have this guy in my avatar anymore so I changed it about a year ago or oh, sorry. one or two years ago uh, so yeah it's, it's messy in a Che Guevara hat now because there's nothing questionable about Che Guevara's uh, no, no, <laughs> life story you know? um, but anyway it's, it's a pun on the name of my blog in case you're wondering listeners hasta el gol siempre um, anyway that was good for me it's like assistance so you, for you to, to score the goal Indeed, yes. Thank you. <laughs> you set them up, I tap them in. Um, national team-wise, we're not going to waste too much time from now. No, this we, we, we just have wasted a fair yeah. bit of time, and the next friendly isn't for another month. So we will move on, yes. and we will move on to listeners' questions. Wonderful. I think we have quite a lot. Of which we have had a lot, as, as Dan says. I've got them here on this computer, which is um, positioned just down and to my left, which means that I'm turning slightly away from the microphone when, when reading them out, for which I apologise if you're struggling to hear me a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm doing the, the established now uh, recording in Dan's living room technique of turning the, the gain down on the microphone so that it doesn't feel quite as echoey. Um, and I'm going to turn it up all the way when we edit this. Uh, we're on to, that's back to August the 14th. Oh, we had a couple of questions two days ago. Oh. From Stephen Hooley, first of all. He says, I've been away for two weeks. I'm just going to move this one a bit. Been away for two weeks, so I just got through the last three episodes and the Patreon pod. Stephen is uh, one of our Patreon Very, very supporters. brave man to listen to us yes. like that back to back. For which we, we thank him. Yes. He knows where to invest in money. And it gives, <laughs> yes. and, and it gives me an uh, opportunity to give our Patreon a bit of a plug. Don't forget, if you want to be a hand of pod... Supporters Club member, I can't remember what name I gave that to. 
but anyway, if, if you want to support us to the tune of $5 or more per month, you will get two um, weekly Hand of Pod extras, one on Sunday evening, well, one recorded on Sunday evening, and one recorded after the main episode um, each week uh, of us just talking more nonsense at you, basically. And I might be launching another thing very soon because I have done the technical side of this. And when I say I've done the technical side, what I mean is I've registered for it. Uh, to be allowed to do YouTube live videos. Ooh. So you might get the opportunity to look at a YouTube live stream of me watching quite a bad football match and talking about it with you uh, for a little bit more than $5 a month if we launch this second tier at some point. Who could say no to that? Oh, you have really? been warned. Can't wait. But uh, there is another thing that is that if someone uh, subscribes with the $5 uh, participation, they can listen to all of the previous uh, extra pod, uh, episodes also, not only the, can, yeah. the ones yeah. that are going to be uh, recorded right now. Mm. Uh, so I can't remember which ones or were... Or, the, the, there are about, the, the one we're going to be doing today after this episode is the 28th. Oh. I can't remember, unfortunately, which of the ones that we've already done were, were any good. And I, <laughs> I was thinking of uh, putting out a couple, making them public, so that people can get a bit of a sort of free taster before signing up. Um, but yeah, you can uh, sort of... Try before you buy, as you were. Please do still buy, <laughs> uh, if you're going to do that, um, because uh, your support means an awful lot. Anyway, it's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash handapod. Back to Stephen's point. Um, wife booked Miami, which, this is Stephen again now, which coincided with City v Bayern, which was good, but had to have words because she booked us getting there the day after Boca played. Oh dear. Mm. Uh, or you got lucky. Highlights of the catch-ups. Oh, he's just giving us some feedback there. Sunday's football was played in binary. I said that again today, didn't I? It's becoming a yes. bit of a cliche for me. And you ditching TV suppliers over what I imagine is a few quid. Uh, no, it's about 30 quid, actually. But, yeah. Uh, 30, that much? Yeah. It's like they're expensive. Also, it's not, only, it's not the money that we're leaving them for. It's the awful customer service they've started giving us yeah, yeah. more than anything. Um, so you're going to go to that Argentine cable company that gives good service. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Stephen also Unicorn. yeah exactly Unicorn TV indeed Stephen also has a question he says for the next podcast what's the general bill of health for Argentine football attendances club ownership and finances how many territories the TV is sold to etc oh, uh, third party ownership of players to generate extra cash well that last one is happening much less uh, than it was about 10 or 15 years ago mm-hmm. um, attendances uh, I remember Jonathan Wilson making the point when he came on here I think it's a point he's made several times that he doesn't think there's any other league where the disparity between attendances and the quality of football uh, is bigger. And I mm. continue to agree with him. Uh, the, t- the attendances remain very high uh, for what is increasingly, although it's kind of against our interests to admit it, but you know, we have to be honest here, um, a not particularly high standard league. That's not to say it's not exciting, it's not to say it can't be entertaining. Um, but it's nowhere near. And with the tickets even being uh, more expensive, as, as there mm. is a lot of uh, big inflation, of course, mm. uh, economical crisis, even when we not don't talk about politics, and even so, people continue going to the, to the yeah. stadiums. And actually, it gives Dan a chance to reiterate something you said to me on um, Twitter over the weekend about the, the increased membership prices, which is essentially a season ticket for mm-hmm. fewer home games, right? Yeah, this is pretty much... This is basically one of the outcomes of all the, the faffing about that's happened in the Argentine top division, trying to get it down from 30 teams to a respectable number of teams, which still hasn't happened. Uh, the upshot is pretty much like me as a, 
a Racing Socio, a member. I pay now 500 pesos a month, which I don't know if anyone wants to do the conversion. It's roughly about 12 or 13 quid. And that guarantees me entry into all of Racing's home um, Superliga games. On Google, it's £13.24, which means if you're actually going to try and buy pesos with pounds, you're going to get about 12. There we go. So I was, yeah, sort of right around. Um, Sorry, it's going to cost you about 14, I should have said, or 14 or 14. Well, there you go. I'll carry on. I'll mourn that lost pound to pay, yes. So, yeah, um, that's an annual fee, paid uh, monthly, every month, uh, even over the summer where there aren't games, or winter when there aren't games. Um, and previously, uh, when I arrived here, obviously it was a lot less in pesos, um, and that sum guaranteed you entry to 19 games because mm. there were 38 games across the calendar year, uh, 19 of which, uh, 38 games across the calendar year, 19 of which were at home, 19 of which were away. Uh, now there are only 25 games overall. Although you're still going to, depending on how Racing do in the Copa de la Superliga, you'll, you'll get the home version uh, games for that, I'm guessing. I maybe didn't even know such a thing existed. So you, see, you should have been you listening to the last couple of episodes. Of I should have been, yeah. I, I don't know what happened. Or come uh, on them. Washing my hair, so, walking the dog, something. We'll tell you about it afterwards. Yes. Listen to Hand of Pod Extra if you're a Patreon supporter. Excellent. For that fascinating conversation. I'm going to listen. Uh, definitely. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, the upshot is for um, the same outlay, you know, I think the membership fees have slightly outpaced inflation over the last 10 years, but that's by the by. But there's six fewer games I can go to, uh, which were previously my right as a member, mm. which doesn't really work out for, for very good value for money. And obviously... Uh, no club has come forward and said, look, I know you, you guys have got less games, so we're going to lower the membership fees uh, yeah. to make up for it. Mm, that is never going to happen. And I, I guess depending on what you use the club for, if you happen to live, if you're a Racing fan and you happen to live around the corner from the Cylindro, uh, if, if you're, as uh, our friend Joel used to be, living very close to Rivers Stadium and... and become a member as much as anything else in Joel's case to, to use the gym and, and the swimming pool and whatnot which it, which is what he did then yeah. you're kind of still getting good value for it but it, the vast majority of members are essentially taking the membership out so they can go to the games yeah um, I mean that's and, the nice know. thing about you know the idea is that being a member of a football club in Argentina is not just about going to the games it's being able to use the facilities being part yeah. of a community going down their installations on a but Sunday to have an asylum to uh, meet up with friends. And this actually ties into Stephen's question in a way as well, because an increasing number of Argentine clubs, at Racing and at River is still the case that they've got these, but, but they're kind of the exceptions now. An increasing number of Argentine clubs are doing away with that social side and, and with the other sports um, on their uh, roster. Of, of offers so. yeah which is a shame and I know especially in Racing which is obviously the club I've had first hand experience of um, on the whole off pitch side at least over the last decade uh, since I've been here uh, that's got exponentially better they're very well run as a club the, uh, the amount of non-football sports offered has gone up their facilities have, have been completely transformed um, they're, they're very much improved um, 
what can I say? I just lost my train of thought for a second. And yeah, and also in Racing's case, the number of, uh, of members as a whole has increased massively, which I think it has across the board, really, uh, especially amongst the, the biggest clubs, the big five at least. Um, if I remember rightly, Racing had something like 25,000 members back in about 2010. And now, or even even more recently, perhaps two thousand and twelve, and and now in two thousand and eighteen, they've got sixty thousand, uh, which is obviously oh wow, they've increased it that massively beneficial for the club, and that's a combination of of course uh, success on the pitch, but also very impressive uh, marketing campaigns, um, kind of instilling this uh, feeling into fans that if you are a fan, uh, you should be a member because that's how you really show love for the club. There's a, there's a new advertising spot, actually. It's just come out the two fans going and saying, ah, oh, look, I'm the biggest fan, like showing tattoos, showing medallions of racing, all this kind of thing. And then one comes around and goes, ah, but so where's your membership card? He's like, <laughs> and saying, yeah. Nice. And I, saw, I watched another one with, the, with Licha Lopez, Milito, and another, I don't know, remember who others, who, which other, who other, Player uh, with a, a member and uh, not member that had a lot of cards, a lot mm -hmm. of a lot of uh, discounts and and uh, are you a socio? No. And how come you have a lot of things and you are? Not yeah. No, I kind of this kind of it's been a a very intelligent, very uh, very effective marketing campaign, which has obviously gone in hand in hand with an improvement overall in Racing's fortunes on the pitch, which always ha helps. So. From that side, I think uh, the big five, at least off the field, are in much better shape than they were five years ago. Yeah. Um, no doubt at all. Um, or are kind of similarly helped by uh, refusing to sell tickets to non-members in recent years, so you've got to sign yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, to do that, you have to make sure they're going to get through the door. The members, yeah. at least you have Indeed. to have the base. Yeah. Um, I'm going to cut that short. I, I will uh, add that the television rights um, that uh, Stephen asks about Uh, the international rights are up for renegotiation next year. At the moment, it's all still owned by Torneos, but uh, the Superliga are planning to try and sell their own rights from next season onwards. Um, Eddie uh, writes and says, Hi guys, could you give a wee rundown on the practicalities of attending matches in Buenos Aires? Tickets, travel prices, ex travel prices, etc. Could you do more than one match per day with the staggered kickoffs? Would you need to use a tour group? So, very briefly... Uh, the travel prices in Buenos Aires are cheap if you're coming from Europe or North America. Um, they're not that expensive if you're here, although they are rapidly rising all the time if you're here. But uh, <laughs> it still remains a pretty good value for money, city, uh, public transport-wise. I am trying to get my phone to load the fixture list for the weekend coming, and it's refusing to, <laughs> annoyingly. Um, because I actually checked this question out a minute ago. Let's see whether I can do it now. And... I think if you were going to be going this... Yeah, here it is. If you're going to be going this Saturday, then all four of the matches are in the Greater Buenos Aires area. Mm. And I reckon if you were prepared to take taxis between them, you could just about manage to do four games this Saturday. Defensa Justicia against Atletico Tucumán kicks off at quarter past one. So it's going to be finishing at around about... Just gone three o'clock. At half But past three... Can I just interject? Go on. 
Don't go to Florence. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I mean, he's asked, he's asked <laughs> you could do. I don't want to be responsible for any one game. He's asked the deepest Conurbano. He's and... asked whether it would be possible to yeah. do more than one game. So here we go. Defensive Justicia Atletico Tucumán. If you're really brave and you speak very fluent Spanish and you know exactly what you're doing, you can get along to that one. You could get on. <laughs> be a good game to be honest. Get out of it. Plus, there are no delays due to many, very many away fans. Hopefully, if if there are away fans present and they let you out anyway, you could get out of it. Get straight in a taxi. Get the taxi to Banfield, which is not very far from Defensa Justicia, mm-hmm. uh, which is a half-past three kick-off against Gimnasia. That's going to be finishing round about uh, 20 past five, and you've then got a bit of a dash, because 25 minutes later is when Argentinos Juniors against Godoy Cruz kicks off. Uh, it's quarter to six. That's going to finish about half seven, 25 to eight-ish, and then you get a quick taxi to the Monumental if you've managed to get tickets in advance for River Plate against Belgrano. So it's doable. It's not particularly easy, given traffic in Buenos Aires and the road layout and what a big city it is. Sam, um, have you taken many taxis in in Greater Buenos Aires? I try not to, no. It's, there aren't. <laughs> the thing is, there yeah. aren't, really. Um, it's, yeah. Okay, is, if you get an Uber or a Cabify, do, do Cabify <laughs> instead because it's legal and they pay yeah. their taxes. This is specially um, prepared for people not to go to the stadiums and to watch them on TV because, yeah. of course, folks on TNT are... It's, Precisely. Uh, ticket prices, similarly, expensive for Argentines, cheap, really, for, for people coming for Europe, What's as long as you're not planning on trying to get it. 600? Something like that, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, 550, 600. Um, $20. If you're going to uh, River to an extent and Boca, if you want to get into Boca at all, you will have to go via a tourism agency. Uh, everybody else are a little bit more accessible, apart from the odd club, like, as I said, Huracan who only sell to members, and so in those cases, you'll also have to go through a tourist agency. I hope that that answers your question as quickly as possible. I'm trying not to allow this week's podcast to run too long, and we've already recorded for a while. Uh, Little Bird says, running out of river-related questions for you lot, so it's time to go general. Promedios, the points average system. For or against? I don't like them, but it's true they make every game count. Um, All I will say is that if you're asking that question, Little Bird, I don't want to sound too patronising, but it's clear that you haven't been listening to Hand of Pod for very long. I think it's fair to say we're all quite heavily against. Yeah, um, more like more than ever with this ridiculous 26-team league, I think it just shows up the, how bad a system it is even more. Indeed. Uh, it, it does have that sort of uh, merit of, as, as you say, making every game count, but uh, that's, that's about it, really. Last season, happily... The four bottom teams in the in, in the points average table were also the four bottom teams in the championship, and so the the correct teams ended up being relegated. Uh, but you also get the odd one, such as I mean, the example that always comes to mind from a River sympathiser's point of view is when River went down in 2011 after finishing eighth uh, in the season long table that year and not having finished in the bottom three in any of the three seasons for which they actually went down. Yes, but this system with this system of, uh, of the promedios of average. Uh, means that not every season counts because mm. if you are have a bad season you can be relegated but then you have if with the promedios you have the chance to to be, do better in the same following season and in the other way around if you have a Copa Sudamericana season that you can uh, qualify there but you had a, 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 an awful season previous season you can even be uh, become relegated having a, a, a magnificent season yeah okay. indeed so it's yes Against, of course. 
Jamie, who clarifies that he is using Boca in this tweet as an example because they are the best team in Argentina, um, or the strongest team in Argentina, certainly with the deepest squad, and they've won the league twice running, so I think it's, it's probably fair to just go with Jamie's judgment on this one. He's a Newell's fan, so he's not particularly biased. Uh, he says, after the Barcelona Boca game, which again was a friendly, mm-hmm. it got me thinking how Boca would perform hypothetically in a European league. How does the Superliga compare to European leagues, in your opinions? Would Boca, for example, win the English Championship? He has spelt that with a capital C, i.e. he is referring to the second division in England. Well, I think another commentator that followed summed it up perfectly. If Boca had access to the same TV money and funds that a Premier League team had, then, then we they would buy better players yeah. and be competitive. Yeah, definitely, I think. Yes, they, they, they have the prestige and the name to... Us. As they are at the it's moment, no, the strongest teams. I mean, yeah, in, yes. in, in the second division, they might they might compete. And a few years ago, I remember considering this same question on Underpub when yeah. Australian Dan was still with us, rest his soul. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we sort of said, yeah, maybe they'd be competing kind of mid-table, lower mid-table in the Premier League. Now, with the way that finances in England have exploded, I couldn't see that happening. Uh, yeah, relegation scrap. Yeah. They might get out of it they might not uh, even even when, when it was a friendly it was good for uh, as there is no very usual for Boca or River to go and play against Real Madrid or Barcelona and it was good to, to confirm that yes you go with Boca with Mauro Sarte with Tevez with uh, all of the, all the stars that Boca has go to play against Barcelona and they don't pass the midfield uh, yeah. center of the midfield so, so it's it's good for this to to test and see because there were of course Boca supporters that uh, they, they they fancied that they could even perhaps draw against Barcelona and do, and, and, ha- and have a decent match and of course this is uh, this is good for to do a measure or to say well no yes uh, the European clubs are, are much better than the South American mm. and now national team teams are also uh, going through that because they are they have even better players now with a different style who are playing together more often because more of them are based in the yes. same clubs and everything as we said during the World Cup Liam Kelly who is no relation to me says it looks like the Promedios will be in place for the B Nacional the second division this coming season and they've split relegation into two tables for affiliated and non-affiliated teams with the worst one from each going down. That's pretty much what Andres and I said would happen a few weeks ago. There have been a couple of tweaks because there were some arguments about that in the intervening period. Uh, but yes, basically, they went up agreeing with you. Yeah, but they, they still haven't decided uh, what, how they... They uh, had a meeting a few days ago. Yes, but they, they haven't decided when they're kicking it off. Yeah. Which you would think that they would have done by now. Yeah. <laughs> I know but, the uh, Metropolitana yeah. kicks off this weekend. Though, in fact, on, yeah. on Sunday, as, uh, meanwhile... Well, there are some uh, five division matches. There will be a Copa Argentina mm-hmm. match between Almagro and, and Chipolete, I think. Almagro should have been playing the National B, uh, and they won't. They won't be playing. Uh, Balompié eighty six says two questions. If you don't mind answering either, will we ever see Marcelo Bielsa back in Argentina, either at club level or national team level? Or has that ship sailed a long time ago? I, I don't think we're going to. No, I don't poss- think he's got the patience to deal Newell's with perhaps, that. Possibly at Newell's, but with Argentina... But no, even then, it, A, it would take an enormous transformation in how Newell's are, are run. Yeah. Um, and B, when they've already named the stadium after you... Yeah, what well, Mozzie got to prove. There's an enormous amount to risk by going back there, again, with the way that the club is run at the moment. 
Yeah. Um, he also... Yes. But he won't, he won't need a translator, sorry. No, that's no. true. He wouldn't. Balompié86 also says, are there any new candidates in Argentina that you know of uh, that are of the same vein as Bielsa? I assume he means for the national team. Olan is sort of of the same ilk, I guess. Hainsey, I mean, he's probably he's, he's not being talked about for the national team at the moment, yeah. but um, no, very much BLC style. Obviously, he played under him at Newell's. Yeah, uh, as I, I think, and in Argentina, as I've said more than once, uh, he is um, the only manager who I know of who has played under both Marcelo Bielsa and Alex Ferguson. There we go. Um, so, so before he's, he's some... taking the national team, yeah. So. <laughs> uh, Dominic Lee says, I've asked previously, but views on how the potential return to Boedo may pan out for San Lorenzo, if it does? It's not going to happen for a long time still. They haven't really made any progress in it no, for the last four years. They're concentrating years. on sorting out the finance. and yeah. I mean, the, the plot of land is in the process of being paid for. Yeah. Uh, Problem the is stadium every month is another it gets more expensive they? because of the inflation. Yeah. Yeah. And the way they are playing, because uh, the, the fans or supporters may be angry even when at Boedo they play like this so. well yeah nothing guarantees good football Scott Monroe wants to know um, how you think Lautaro Martinez is going to do at Inter Dan yeah, the first couple of games he's he's got a few goals he's looked sharp but of course they're friendlies um, I was talking to a colleague of mine the other day who follows Italian football a little bit more closely than I do and he said that there's been Encouraging signs that Martinez and Di Carri have, have clicked together and they've played a few minutes uh, sharing the pitch and, and it's all been positive. Uh, we won't know until until he's got at least 10 Serie A games under his belt, then we can have a, a far uh, more complete picture. Sadly, these games I won't be able to watch because it appears that either ESPN or Fox or whoever had the Argentine rights to Serie A, no longer have them. So I won't be watching Serie A this weekend. So if anyone wants to write in and tell me how Lautaro got on, I would be but very grateful. There was that. a match in which he scored a very good goal against, uh, against Atletico Madrid. But it's a friendly like, yes, international Champions Cup. Yes, but yeah. the, 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 the thing is that at press conference, Spalletti said, yes, he scored a brilliant goal, but he's, he lost also a lot of balls. Yeah, and, and that that is something that he will have to pay attention to because here we will say, oh, he scored a great great goal, mm-hmm. and there if he scores that goal, but he loses balls, it will be well, yes. He... Well, which is what happened in the Libertadores earlier this year when he made his Libertadores debut and got the man of the match award after scoring that hat trick, and everybody was going, oh, he was amazing today, and then mm-hmm. they interviewed him post match, and he himself said, yes. I'm really pissed off because I missed some easy chances and I mm-hmm. fucked up a couple of touches. Yeah. Um, no, he's got as, the right as attitude. As I said at the time, yeah. shows that he's got that winning attitude. He's got the right attitude. Stephen Hooley is back. He says, with Tevez back in Argentina and Aguero rumoured to go back to Independiente in a couple of years, which other prodigal sums are expected to return here in the coming seasons? And to which clubs? Somebody has already replied, Messi will go to Newell's in the future. <laughs> um, I mean, basically, name an Argentine player, pick the club that he came through in, and that's probably going to happen. Aguero, yeah. perhaps. It's uh, yeah. Um, Di Maria. There's then a bit of a discussion about flight prices and whatnot to between England and Buenos Aires. <laughs> Playboy Icardi says, "What are your thoughts on Bowser's return to Central and how it might play out?" Um, as I said, we're trying to whip through these quickly now, so I would say listen to was it last week or two weeks ago that we discussed that, Andres? Uh, 
I think you'll... We, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Um, basically, I think it could be a good match, but we'll have to see. Uh, but we went into this, we talked about it for about five minutes or so a couple of weeks ago. So have a listen to Hand of Pod, I think 305. Um, do you think ending the season in the top half is plausible? Yes, but they're going to need to do something interesting in attack. I mean, they, they've got the talent. It's whether Bowser has got the, 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 the game plan to get the most mm. out of it, I think. Um, There's one thing we know Bowser for it's for his uh, attacking game plans, right? Indeed, yes. Uh, Peter Coates, never heard of him, mm. says, if it's Quite not too is, late, isn't it? it is, yeah, yeah. Uh, not already covered, uh, can we have the views on the latest with Ricky Centurion? Was Blanco right to go public? Can you fill us in on what Peter means by this, Dan? I'm not sure why an independent fan is uh, asking this question. No, it's strange that. Um, no, Ricky Centurion, we all know that he's battled his demons in the past. Um, this uh, last Monday, he was benched by Chacho Codet for the Superliga opener against Atletico Tucumán. First, at first, it appeared that he'd suffered a, a muscle problem during the River game because he came off in that game as well. And later, um, Racing president Victor Blanco went on one of the Racing Partidario radios. Radio stations? Fan-run radio stations, essentially. That's the one. And said that he was dropped for... Ah, no, first Colette said it was a tactical decision, and then Blanco came out and said it was because, I believe on the Saturday, he turned up to training still a little bit pissed. I'm shocked. He drank too much, yes. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we've all seen our fair share of... Argentine nightclubs and they usually carry on until about 6-7 in the morning so if you've got training at 10 o'clock it's not that easy to pull yourself together at this together. point no, it's, it's, I we've, mean, all, we've all been it's, there it, sure. it would be easy enough to not go to the nightclub yeah. in fairness well you know but uh, it, having gone to the nightclub it's not easy to pull yourself together after at, it at this point I think it's a similar problem like uh, Burrito Ortega had in the past also it's you think that's serious He's, I think, of course, I, I haven't watched him being uh, drinking a lot, but uh, apparently for the media and this... Uh, he, he seems to be doing it a lot, it's yes. fair to say, yeah. Yes. yeah. He's a guy who likes to enjoy himself, Like he's had these problems in the past. I don't think it's worth getting all too worked up about it. I know, you know whenever a footballer comes out and you know gets caught drinking and that, the first reaction is you know oh I'm an alcoholic or he's an alcoholic when it's mm. something us mere mortals do every weekend yes. and no one passes judgement obviously yes. you have to be it's a question of discipline really and it's something that he's has to work on still but what is bad is it's, the president's it's a storm in a teacup like, I think that the bad thing is the president saying uh, yes he's drunk or, or he came very uh, having drunk too much and uh, well but talk with him, not with the media. Yeah, it was... So, so you're saying that Blanco was wrong to go public? Yes, I think yes. He probably shouldn't have, but I don't know if it does him any favours either that it's all swept under the carpet. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Rappi says, Atletico Tucumán's opening match was very exciting. Projections and commentary on the squad this season? they got players, definitely. Like, yeah. they got Pulguita Rodriguez, who they- is my... Favourite non-wrestling player in Argentina by far, a country mile. They did a very good job of keeping the squad together as well. Yeah. Having, you know, 
I guess it's a bit easier when you're in the Copa Libertadores knockout stages for the first time in your history uh, over the winter break. Um, but they've kept hold of most, not all, but most of their key players. They've strengthened, I think, in the right areas. They are going to be... I mean, I'm surprised in a way. If you'd said a week ago that we'd be saying this, I'd be surprised. But they're going to be prioritising the Libertadores if they can get past Atletico Nacional. It's not going to be easy for them in the second leg, but they are tuning up. So, you know, we're now looking at a situation where they could realistically be in the Copa Libertadores quarterfinals, which sounds Yeah, remarkable. anything's possible, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, they're going to need a strong league campaign. Um, but then, then I, I, and, I was... Yeah. Sorry, I, I checked the... Form, the, the the formation of, of Atletico Nacional against uh, Atletico Tucumán and they were Bargeri for example because Almiron is there Jorge Almiron and he took some Danus players there like Bargeri and uh, Monetti also Castellani I think he was also playing with him and I said oh well Atletico Nacional has these players and I thought mm, uh, it's not the powerful player uh, team I thought they were yeah uh, Wayward from Hayward said what did that Messi Tevez embrace mean to you I thought it spoke volumes a new national team is on the horizon I d- didn't watch the friendly so I have no idea what no, you're talking about no I mean Messi and Tevez are friends from way back when I wouldn't in read anything constant rumours while Tevez was not being called up for the national team but he yeah. hugged yeah, all of the book players Tevez in a new national team he's not really got yeah, any I mean, position in this new Boca team. It, it, it's currently up in the air about whether Messi's going to be involved in it. Yeah. So, or whether Tevez is even good enough for the Boca starting lineup. Indeed. So I wouldn't say that's... If that's the base Argentina are going to build a new national team around, we should be all very, very scared. Yes. Estrella or Estrella Amadora says, How is Claudio Biaggio still in charge of San Lorenzo? Who the yes. hell knows? Good question. Because Temu got put... Uh, Dodgy parents possibly, really. possibly because San Lorenzo's directors are in too much of a mess to sack anybody at the moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's fair to say that a lot of San Lorenzo fans seem to be of the same opinion yeah. as well. Um, and Luis Bessone just got in there before the deadline. He says, if it's not too late, which it just about isn't. Oh, we've had one by email as well. Um, an odd question. During Handapod's existence, i.e. in just under the last eight years... Mm-hmm. The AFA decided to reintroduce the Copa Argentina. We were all initially sceptical. Were we? Were we? All, Luis, really? No, I was going to say... I mean, I Luis... remember thinking it was a good idea for the wrong reasons, because they had a travel yeah. company. To I was going to give anyway. Luis the benefit of the doubt, because he listens to the podcast sober, and we do them drunk, so maybe he remembers <laughs> things we don't. Yes, that's I'm true. I'm fairly sure we, we've criticised the implementation and the organisation a lot, but the uh, idea in itself... Any rate, Luis says, we were all initially sceptical, which as we say, we're going to dispute. But however, in my opinion, this tournament gets better and better. Games in the past month and a half were fantastic. Your mm. thoughts? And is it picking up steam with the fans? Okay, the second bit, the fans, I think they are beginning to take to it a bit more. Um, Basically but, because of the yeah. Libertadores place, right? Yes, I mean, that, that certainly helps. That's There's no denying that. Um, we have had a question by email as well as I said Ese Todoriki says which team had the best start to the Superliga season Vélez yep good I'm glad you all said that because I was about to say that's one that at least we're not going to have a very long discussion about Vélez won by two goals everybody else who won only did it by one so Vélez did Um, plus as we said how Vélez had been before the season started and how much they needed a win definitely yes Um, we're now going to do some predictions uh, for those I'm going to need to ask Dan for a piece of 
paper and a pen so I can write down mine. This week's guest predictor, because somebody after last week's fiasco where nobody stepped up to challenge me, someone has come along and it is Jimmy. So you're going to be listening to Mystic Sam and Mystic Jimmy after this music. Okay, the first competition of the season. I've just realised I didn't count up how many I got correct uh, over the weekend. I'll I'll put that on the blog for you. Um, Mystic Jimmy versus Mystic Sam. Here we go. Tacheres versus Rosario Central. Jimmy is going for a draw. I'm going to go for a Tacheres victory. Newells against Independiente. Jimmy thinks that's an Independiente win. Um... They have had a kind of a competitive <coughs> thing. I'm, yeah, Newell's were fairly... I'm going to go for an Independiente win as well. There. Um, Defensa y Justicia against Atletico Tucumán. Jimmy's going for Defensa y Justicia. I think that's a draw. Banfield against Gimnasia. Jimmy thinks it's a draw. And I'm going to go for an away win for Gimnasia. Argentinos Juniors versus Godoy Cruz. Jimmy reckons draw. I reckon draw as well. Uh, River against Belgrano Jimmy thinks River we always mention this when this fixture comes up it's a grudge match there we go I've mentioned it Um, hmm. I was not impressed with River to be honest over the weekend I'm going to go for a draw in that one Um, San Martin de San Juan at home to Patronato Jimmy says it's a draw I'm going to say do not watch that game but I think that Patronato will win it Colón against Tigre. Jimmy says draw. I'm going to go for Colón. Uh, Aldo Civi against Huracán. Jimmy reckons Huracán. I'm going to go for a draw. Don't watch that also. Huh? Don't watch that either. That's another one to avoid. Thank you, Andres. San Lorenzo against Lanús. We're both going for Lanús to win that one. Racing (coughs) against Vélez. Jimmy says Racing. I'm going to go for a draw. I think a score draw, probably. Estudiantes against Boca. Ooh, this is controversial. Jimmy says Estudiantes will win that one. I'm going to go for a draw. And the last game of the weekend, San Martín de Tucumán versus Unión de Santa Fe. Jimmy says Unión. I'm going to go for Unión as well. Uh, It's difficult to back San Martín in their first Superliga match. Well, their first Superliga match since the rebrand, of course. Their first top flight match in some time. Uh, Since 2008. That long, really? Ten years? Wow. Any fixtures that you're really looking forward to this weekend, gents? Etiantes Boca, I think. Racing Vélez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah Racing Vélez should be. Yes. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch San Martín back in action again after so long. I think Argentinos against Godoy Cruz could be sort of a, a sleeping giant, as it were, as well. It could be a bit of a, a, a dark horse, that's the phrase I was looking for. Um, in terms of entertainment value. Banfield against Gimnasia seems unlikely to be very entertaining and of course we San already Lanus, Lanus, If San Lorenzo weren't so, so awful yeah. could be, could be a, uh, Tacheres against Central as well the very first game. That should yes. be good on Friday evening. Um, that's your lot for this week dear listeners. If you're a Hand of Pod extra listener then you'll be able to uh, hear something well you will probably already have heard something that we're going to record in a bit so we'll see you in the future continue listening whoever you are after this theme music and I will tell you the final score of Colón against San Paulo which has just kicked off in the Copa Sudamericana round of 
32, I think this is, isn't it? Um, it's nil-nil at the moment after two minutes. Cologne won the first leg 1-0 last week, and I'll tell you who goes through. For now, thank you very much indeed for listening, supporting us for another week, and we will see you again in six or seven days' time. Thanks and goodbye from Andres. Thank you, goodbye. From English, Dan. Goodbye. And from me, goodbye. Colón versus São Paulo uh, finished a few minutes ago. São Paulo won 1-0 on the night to take it to penalties. And then Colón went through, winning the shootout 5-3. So they're into the last 16 of the Copa Sudamericana.